Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good day, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston out of Australia, and we are The Thought Hackers. With us today is Anna Dow. She is the author of Bent, Not Broken, Finding Your Power, Passion, and Purpose, a family's guidebook to surviving PTSD. She is an international speaker, coach, guide, and mentor with many satisfied clients. She holds a BA in psychology from York University. She is certified in neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy, and hypnotherapy. After earning her degree at York University, Anna traveled the world and settled in Asia for some time. During her travels, she met John, her husband, and they chose to settle down in Canada to build a home and family together. John is a veteran of the Canadian military, and he was diagnosed with and suffered from PTSD for the better part of their 10-year marriage. Due to his illness, Anna and their two young sons also encountered secondary traumatization. Anna experienced the hardships of being a spouse in such a relationship, having to make tough decisions for her and their children. Anna, I'd like to welcome you into the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Welcome. Yeah, so you were talking about that you developed this secondary traumatization. And I'm also looking at the way that you wrote this, and the impression I got is that you're no longer in the marriage or the marriage still exists. Uh, so, unfortunately, the reality of the PTSD relationships is only 25% of the marriages survive, uh, unfortunately. Um, when I was completing the book, I was separated from John. Um, we were separated for a total of two and a half years, um, and I'm proud to say that we're recently back together. So, uh, the whole family is excited, the kids are excited, we're all excited. Um, yeah, we have done a lot of growth. Um, you know, we've gone through a lot of stuff as a family, and then we just needed to have that break. And personally, I didn't think it's going to be possible to get back together. But again, we have done a lot of healing separately, and John and myself and the kids, and um, we're able to put it back together, and here we are. So I'm, so I'm very hopeful and super happy. So what happened as far as the PTSD is concerned? Is it still there or is it changed or what has happened? Yeah, it's, it's, it's there. However, it's, uh, John addressed that, you know, there is, there is, uh, has been and is and will be a lot of counseling. Um, we have made a decision that um, we're not going to fight the PTSD or I'm not going to fight the PTSD and John, we're, we're kind of on the same page where we're fighting his PTSD together, you know what I mean? And then he's helping me with my secondary traumatization and I'm helping him with P his PTSD. We have grown and evolved a lot, um, educating ourselves about PTSD and secondary trauma. And, um, you know, we're, we're definitely working our communication skills. And um, and we, we know that the love between us was always there. Uh, it was just so hard to to be together under certain circumstances. So it was, it was, um, the love never went away. So it was easy for us to kind of make a decision to, to get back together as two different people with two different experiences, two different expectations, um, different boundaries. 
Right, so as far as this secondary PTSD, how does that manifest? Or is it PTSD that you have, or is it something else? No, I have the secondary PTSD. Um, so I am traumatized from, from John's PTSD. So I mimic, and you know, that, that happens in any relationship when, um, you know, we pick up certain things from, from our partners. Uh, with PTSD, unfortunately, is we pick up all the bad things as well. Uh, for example, you know, I have physical symptoms of PTSD when when I tr when I'm triggered. Um, so, for example, again, um, if John would have an episode um, where where he's triggered, I would be triggered myself, where I'm walking on eggshells, and that's a that's a PTSD term. Um, being worried how he's going to react to certain things, or um, you know something that. I would think is going to be a trigger for him would trigger me thinking that it's going to trigger him. Am I making mm. sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Could you, yeah. could I ask you, could I ask you, Anna, just to sort of go back to just back a little bit in your, in your life with, um, you mm -hmm. know, you met, you met John um, during your travels, you chose to settle down, you got married. Was yes. he already, he then joined the Canadian military? No, so I met John right after he was released from the Canadian military. So I right. always joke that, you know, I never had a, a pleasure seeing him in the uniform now, but I have <laughs> to deal with all the aftermath. <laughs> so, so we met would... literally months after he was released from the Canadian military. Right. So the PTSD mm -hmm. essentially for him was already there. However, he was not diagnosed for a right. few years into the marriage. So and, take us through that, take us through that yeah. journey of sort of how that then developed and what it was what was doing to your relationship. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a very good question. Thanks for asking because, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are going through similar yeah. things. Um, so we met, fell in love. Uh, we met overseas. Uh, both myself and, and John were working in, in South Korea at that time. Um, you know, so it was a completely different lifestyle. We're very two free spirits, driving motorcycles, and just kind of experiencing life. Um, so obviously under those circumstances, it was it was much harder to see um, that there was quote unquote something wrong. Um, I mean, there were things that now when I think about it or, or you know, looking from the time perspective, there were red flags. However, I, myself or we chose not to go there because I mean, we're in love. We're young, and you know, you, yeah. you just don't think about what's going to happen next. I mean, PTSD or, or any mental health issues are not a factor when you know you're in love and just want to move forward with your life. Especially um, if it hasn't so, been diagnosed. That's right. That's right. So um, we. So I mean, there were few things that that I would notice. However, I would choose not to not to really pay attention to that. Um, for example, he was very hypervigilant. So so whenever we went to a restaurant or or a bar or a disco, you know, he would be very hypervigilant where the exits are. And, you know, if there was a crowd, he would, you know, he wouldn't feel himself at first, you know, for the first um, some time. And, um, you know, so, so things like that, there are classic for PTSD, but at that time it was just, I, I would, I would think it was something else, right? That's what I was just going to ask. What, what did you think was going on? Did you at times think it was even you that was the, pro uh, was the cause? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I would address it. And, and, and you know, I mean, he would just kind of say, oh, this is how I am. And, you know, I've always been like this. So, like I said, I would just move on and not really think about it. Um, it was really significant when we actually came back to Canada and we started a family. That's when, you know, we, um, we had a, a baby on the way and, and the baby was born. And John couldn't handle a lot of things, a lot of, of the everyday life and um that's when it start becoming a problem and with john he's not a violent man so he wouldn't fight he would flight it was the, the fight and flight he would flee right so yeah. so he would uh again i wouldn't know that he was going through something because i wouldn't understand the triggers at that point i wouldn't understand you know um what was going on and 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 such and you know with the with a new life in canada with with the new family and stuff um so I wouldn't, obviously, I would take it very personally when he would leave and, you know, it got to the point where he would leave for, for a few days, right? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be aware that this is coming, you know, he would, it would, it would kind of build up in him, uh, but he wouldn't tell me that it was building up and all of a sudden, you know, boom, and he's gone, right? Um, so after a few episodes like that and, uh, you know, similar things were, that, were, that were concerning, um, I, you know finally said hey like i mean as far as i know from from my psychology uh background maybe you should check yourself out and um you know at first it was kind of like well there's nothing wrong with me however he knew that you know there were certain things that um weren't natural and he couldn't explain it so he did um go to a doctor and he has been diagnosed with ptsd and at that point we kind of kind of had a sign of relief because at least we knew what we were dealing with right yes. so that's kind of in a nutshell <laughs> so how, how did it manifest for you like when when you actually d started developing symptoms what happened mm -hmm. so so are you asking me about physical or or mental the or entire thing the entire, the entire thing, thing. so day. like i so like i said i had very uh, still to to this day i mean they're they're very manageable right now um i was i became very hypervigilant so i was looking for triggers right what can trigger him uh, i would have uh sweaty palms i would have uh, elevated heart rate short breathing um you know when when i was triggered so for instance um because john would just take off that was my biggest trigger right so if let's say he was somewhere and wouldn't be coming back home he would be late for 10, 15 minutes. I would already, ha I would already be, you know, having a full-blown PTSD episode. Um, again, you know, being nervous and, and going over my head. Was there anything that I did? Was there anything that triggered him? Could it be this and that? Why is he late? And, you know, I would like really get myself all wind up to the point where I would have panic attacks. Mm. So... So that, that and, and you can imagine in the brain, you know, all the energy that's going there and I'm trying to function and maintain the life and, you know, maintain whatever task I was at, if it was at work or if it was home or, you know, with the children and stuff. So, so you can just imagine the intensity of, of, uh, of and where the energy was going at that point. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how did you... Get, well, okay, so you wound up getting to a place in the marriage where you both had to part for a while, 
and yes. you didn't know that whether you would be able to get back together again. What what did you both go through during that time? So for I mean I can't really speak for John because you know um, I'm not him. Um, I mm -hmm. can only say what what I know how he is now, and you know he continued with with um, uh, counseling. Um, he actually got involved in um, advocacy, uh, advocating for other veterans. Um, so he became very passionate about um, his, this cause, and and um, you know he's he's very intelligent and has like, super resourceful and stuff. So so he became you know one of the the top advocates for a drug that what the, the veterans were taking that actually mimics PTSD and it's called mafloquine. Um, but that's a different episode altogether. So anyway, so <laughs> he became very focused and, um, you know, did not go the, the wrong path, so to speak. Um, you know, really got his life back in order, got his um, self back on track, got, got back in shape, you know, got and learned and and understood PTSD even more um, by helping others by you know the counseling and stuff and um, got to the point where um, you know he understands the triggers and, and knows how to prevent them and um, you know we're very open about that with with ourselves and our children so so everybody understands and and PTSD is definitely not a hush hush word in our, in our household and um, you know we're very vocal. And, and and we're proud that you know it's 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 thing that there's nothing wrong with our family right um yeah. it's something that you know people have cancers people lose limbs and you know and this is what what we have our family is just like that and and you know we're dealing as we can and but we still are very, very loving and and compassionate to one another yeah um when it comes to me um again i went into finding my way and uh one of one of the, the greatest things that, that I have discovered was surrendering. Um, I, I am as from from nature a control freak, <laughs> and when uh, when uh, John and I parted, my whole life fell apart. Um, you know, I, I am an entrepreneur, and um, you know, I if if I wasn't out there, I wasn't making money. So um, you know, with 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 the kids, um, when we separated, our youngest was four, and um, our oldest was uh, eight. Sorry, nine. So again, the kids needed me very much at that point. So what happened um, after I surrendered was was a very beautiful thing. It actually gave me, you know, the springboard that I needed um, because I was um, really focusing on what was happening today, not what's going to happen a month from now, what's going to happen tomorrow, what was happening today, and that really taught me how to live in the moment, how to really appreciate what I'm going through right now. And um, that also gave me strength to, you know, to, 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 to be there for myself, for my kids and for John, because um, although we were separated, we're very supportive of each other. And, you know, we, we love our kids more than anything. And, you know, we have the understanding that, that you know, whatever we're going to do and however we're going to handle it, um, it's going to be peaceful and as much as it can be because <laughs> everybody's hurt um, yeah. just not to affect the kids um, as much as as we can 
And, um, you know, again, through the journey, just making long story short, I rediscovered myself. I, I really capitalized on all the strengths that I had. Um, I've created boundaries. Um, and interesting thing about boundaries is within myself and also my clients, I see that we are the first ones asking people to respect them, but we're also are the first ones who break them ourselves, mm. you know, and, uh, and, and there's some, and to me that I had so many aha moments when I actually stopped feeling sorry for myself. And, um, you know, I came out of the victim mentality and every time I would start going that route, I would ask myself, why is this happening for me and not to me? Just mm. to see that, that, um, that silver lining and you know I believe that in any situation I mean no matter how bad they are there's always something positive and and at that time it was you know I needed all those little nuggets of positivity and and and, and just kind of make sense of, of what was happening um, and kind of you know for me to to move forward and, and be there for for my kids and, and for myself and not to lose my mind um, you know that these were the things that that really helped me through and and then i would again focus on on self-care and how important that was and and how much i forgotten how important that was and how much i was so in my head and you know focus on 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 the triggers and and what john is going to do and how is that affecting him and how is that affecting um the family that i completely abandoned myself and the self-care and how much i needed it and you know well, again, I started looking at that and I started accommodating that into my routine and as hard as it was, you know, and I talk about all that in my book, um, but I started questioning why is self-care important? You know, what's going to happen if I do not take care of myself? You know, how am I going to be effective as a mother, as a, as a spouse, as a caregiver, as, you know, a businesswoman, as a coach, if, if, if I'm not functioning you know, at mm. uh, uh, full capacity. So, mm. so a lot of awareness has come about. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm. And then I realized that there's so little support for the spouses. Hence, yeah. I wrote a book. <laughs> you know, I felt <laughs> that I found my strength, and it was my duty to speak for yeah. the people or the women or the spouses that don't have that voice. Yeah. So, so what did you put in the book for the spouses then? The book is all for the spouses. I get it's, that, it's, but, it's, but what did you yeah. what what kinds of things did you put into it? So I have a chapter on PTSD, understanding the PTSD, because I feel like um, you know we do have to understand what we're dealing with, mm. um, and then there has to be a um, an understanding, you know, where PTSD starts and the and 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 ends, and where the character trait starts, right? Because there's a lot of people who use PTSD as a crutch just to get away with a lot of stuff, right? So so I believe that educating um, ourselves is, is, is the most important, well, it's not the most important, but one of the most important things that we mm. can we can understand it and, and you know, uh, move forward. Um, I have a chapter on unconscious mind and, you know, how we look at um, our relationships and how the spouses or the partners that we attract uh, are actually mirroring ourselves and you know how they're there to to help us evolve and and um, 
help us heal some some things from possibly our childhoods or 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 our previous experiences. Um, I have a chapter on communication, as communication is key in any relationship, especially in in PTSD relationship. I have a chapter on finances, as finances are are really suffering um, in in a lot of PTSD relationships, or when you know there's there's a um, a loss, you know, to a divorce or suicide or, or, or in other words, death. Um, I talk about, you know, how how to go about uh, family and, and in social situations. I talk about how to help children understand, um, you know, what PTSD is and what the family is going through. I talk about women empowerment. Um, I talk about, you know, how one under circumstances like that can go into business for themselves as the finances are, are always shooken up. So, so there's, there's all kinds of stuff that, you know, and, and my story, it, it's not a book about me whatsoever. Um, my story is in the book for the credibility aspect. So people understand that I've been there. I get it. Um, I've also interviewed other spouses. So, so it's, it's a, it's a really good book. <laughs> Got it. So the yeah. one thing that keeps coming up is mm-hmm. you've got all this background in psychology and hypnotherapy and NLP training. Mm-hmm. How do you use it to deal with your own situation or do you? Can I, can I just jump, can I, can I yeah. just jump in there quickly, Anna, just on that same question, sure. just to, um, with the psychology, the NLP and hypnosis, was it, was that something you studied prior to getting married or is it something you you studied after finding out about the ptsd and when did you actually do it Mm -hmm. and then sort of leading into that yeah right so so psychology degree was before i was married and Mm -hmm. then the nlp and hypnosis was um right before we separated um so again because i was working with clients with with you know with with issues with around mental health and and PTSD in particular, um, I know that that NLP and hypnosis are great, you know, in in as as in, in to have in in my toolbox to help them. Mm. Um, so so I was always drawn to that, and also I also needed healing, so I was always reaching out and and trying new ways. And um, and um, Nathan, you were asking me if I use it on myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, I, I, I hoped at that point that I could use it on John, but, you know, it, it's not possible to do it for family. But um, I definitely had it done on me um, and uh, I, I use it with with clients. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, do the anchoring on myself and do all kinds of exercises as well. And, and they're they're magnificent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're certainly um I mean, what the, what those tools can can do for other people is amazing. But to yes. uh, um, oh look, when when you said you can't use it on use them with family, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of coaches that do uh, NLP practitioners, hypno- hypnotherapists that use that work with their their spouses. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's just a different level of, uh, and equally, I do with mine. Um, mm-hmm. We, um, when there is just that understanding and, and that desire to want to make the change and, yeah. you know, this is about making choices and having those decisions. But sometimes, you know, people just, as you know, being a practitioner and a psychologist, if people don't want to shift, there's nothing you can do to help them to do that. Absolutely. 
Um, mm. And, you know, John might have been in that position too that it just didn't work, that you two could work it together. Um, yes. But you, you yourself said you needed, you've had other people working with you to help coach you through it, um, mm-hmm. which... You know, I, I suppose that John didn't. Um, John hasn't been uh, done NLP um, training or anything like that. So you no. naturally have to go and get someone else to help you do it. But to have some of these tools that once we do learn them, mm-hmm. the the ability to use them for ourselves, just having those resources to instantly change our state, our thinking, whatever it is, um, absolutely, they're very powerful. And this is, you know, to, as you would working with people with PTSD as I do, once they, um, and you're also mentioning there the timeline therapy, which I think is an incredible mm-hmm. tool to release all the stuff, all the emotion beforehand, yes. but then to teach these people their own tools, the anchoring, the, um, you know, changing their state, whatever it is. Once they've got them, they've got them for life and they can... Um, whatever level use them every day yeah agreed a hundred percent yes some yeah now one thing you've also uh written and we've discussed a little bit about was we always have a choice I, i'd like yes. to, to just have a bit of a, a dive into that a little bit yeah so again it ties with the victim mentality right so we always have a choice we always can look at a situation or a certain circumstance you know from from two angles um, either you know as, as, as people say we we can look at obstacles and they're gonna stop us from growing or or push us to 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 growth right mm-hmm. um, and I believe that um, we all have a choice and if we're not happy with ourselves or with a situation we can change it right and um, I hear it over and over and you know I did it to a certain extent as well where I thought that I didn't have a choice and you know what what I guess we need to understand is that there is consequences to every choice right and and there's there's good and there's bad right consequences and you know if if somebody is suffering you know or we have suffering in the family and it's really causing us um, our sanity or is, you know, is, is abusive uh, of any any type of shape or form, then we have to make a decision that, you know, maybe this is not going to work. And there's consequences that, yes, we're going to, you know, be, be healthier and happier, but then there's a consequence of, of going through a separation, divorce and, you know, everything. Yeah. And, and then on the other side, when we decide to stay, you know, are we equipped and and then can we deal with that? And if we can, then let's do it, right? I mean, I, I believe that, you know, if, if we commit to something, obviously within reasons, because I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, be putting ourselves in danger is, is yeah. never okay, right? But if, if there is any type of hope and we decide to, to, to give it a go and, and, and stay within a relationship or within a circumstance or situation, um, you know, we we kind of have to close the back door. You know, we have to kind of be there a hundred percent and and yeah. give it a go a hundred percent. So so when we think about it, it's like you know what I really tried. I gave myself six months. I really tried. I wasn't looking back. You know, I wasn't. I was really there. And if it's not working, it's not working, right? But really give yourself a chance. Either way, if you're within a relationship or circumstance or situation or outside, right? Mm. 
Yeah. The commitment is a very, very important thing. It, yeah. it is one thing to decide, make a choice, and uh, the very next minute if, if you can be heading back in the direction you were all, always had been, but that commitment mm. should. Yes. Um, and, and there's ways to, you know, working with, you know, it's, it can be another thing to just say, I'm going to be committed to this too, but it can equally fall apart and not be the strong enough. But you know, helping... Where do you find that help to, you know, to sometimes we, we don't know, we want to make a change, we'll be committed to it, but all of a sudden we hit this point where I just don't know how to do it. I don't have mm-hmm. the tools. I haven't been there before, so I'm not too sure what to do. And it, it's it's being in touch with people like yourself or other people who have been through the journey or, you know, what have you done to get to this point? Okay, now, yes. now I can... I can map that out myself. I can I can see what I what I can achieve there, and I'll be committed to that to that next step. And then I'll have to learn again. I'll just have to keep learning and learning and learning too. But sometimes when we just have not been in that place before, it's I've got no idea what to do, so I won't do it. Absolutely, and and again, it's it's you know having some distance to what's happening and what we're going through and. And for me, what worked was the self-care. I literally physically needed to remove myself from certain situations and had some time just to kind of think about it. Because, I mean, when I was within the marriage, you know, and and so focused on on other people and other things, I couldn't think straight, right? Mm. And then I realized that I was so far in that that I didn't even know what what my opinion about it was, right? So so again, that's where where the self here and 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 removing ourselves from the situation, give her, giving ourselves time and 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 speaking to the experts and and talking to you know our support system and 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 having that you know it's 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 crucial mm. absolutely. What, and mm-hmm. what would you say to someone who might be listening now and saying, "No, I did not cause this cause this in my life. This is not my fault. I am the victim." <laughs> well then maybe there's going to be another situation that's going to be resembling the first one, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I see that in, in, in my clients uh, a lot where, you know, they're coming coming to me and they're literally coming up or, or the same problem comes up, right? And and it could be in other relationships and could be, you know, um, in, in other areas of their lives. But, you know, it, it is consistent and it is showing up, right? So... And some people choose not to do it, and there's there's nothing I can do about it. And um, no. I believe Nathan, you said that uh, as as soon as somebody's not ready, or as, as long as somebody's not ready, there's nothing we can do about it, right? And if somebody's not ready to to face the truth, and um, yeah. you know, and, and and it's their choice to to whine about it, you know, well, I'm we, not we, saying we, it. We we can try and force it. We can try and force it, like the old idea of doing an intervention and stuff. But as uh, I mean, I remember watching shows to do with that. Like, for example, um, I don't know who did it, but these people tried to do an intervention with uh, singer Whitney Houston. She walked out. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that when you do something like that, it's going to work. And if the person there doesn't want to cooperate or they're not interested or whatever it is, that's the end of Mm -hmm. the story. And Absolutely. And we've wound up encountering that, Hamish and me, with our, our group. But oh, more absolutely. than that, actually more the outside of our group, actually, is when we were trying to make inroads with what we were doing. And we kept running into people who would like scream at us and accuse us of all sorts of 
improprieties and they not only were they not ready to move forward it's like the idea that they could actually get well was the equivalent of heresy and we yes. were treated as like the devil incarnate or something for even suggesting that such a thing was possible <laughs> so it's, it's like wow it's like okay talk about resistance okay see you later guys enjoy <laughs> your suffering That's enjoy right. your suffering because you're obviously not ready for what we have to say and see him mm-hmm. maybe in five years or ten yeah or never <laughs> Yeah. And the thing yeah, is, to just right. to, you know, for people that are listening, that, that you think you are a victim, you know, what if you weren't a victim? Yes. You know, what would that look like? What would that feel? You know, have a think about that. It's what if you weren't a victim? What? How could mm-hmm. you? Where would that take you? And how do you think you could start to? It's a very different place to think because people have probably been living in that space for such a long time. It's become that reality and and such a strong belief, but. Uh, what if you weren't a victim? Absolutely, and and like you say, Hamish, um, you know, it's we we always uh, unconsciously we go back to what we know, right? And that's yes. what I was saying before, where you know we acquired certain lifestyle or certain trauma in our childhood or throughout our life. Mm. You know, we we tend to attract people into our life that resemble that because this is all totally. we know right yes. or or a part of it right and and that's what that's what we think is safe <laughs> that's what we think it's home if yes. there's commotion and, and chaos that's okay because we know how to deal with that if it's bliss and 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 happy we don't know what to do with it right mm. so we're gonna mm. attract it <laughs> yeah. until we break the cycle until we're ready <laughs> and as we know nathan there's been so we've been we've come across so many people who are in so much pain in the place they're living with their PTSD and things in the past but when they think of what they might become who they might be in the future if that all changes there's bigger fear and and a belief that it's going to be more painful so they choose to live with the pain that they're currently in absolutely it's something we've run into repeatedly actually not for a while I mean I haven't seen it for a while but then again in terms of our group I've I've not been that uh, much a part of it and not been a part of the discussions mind you there hasn't been a lot going on there as of late so Mm -hmm. just the way it is but anyway Mm -hmm. so for people who are listening to this they want to get in touch with you how would they do it uh, so I invite everybody to uh, go to my uh, website. Um, so it's www.bentnotbroken.ca slash book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or like my page on Facebook at Bent Not Broken PTSD. I'm just writing this stuff down. I'll put links up at, at, yeah. Bent, Not, at Bent Not Broken PTSD. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the Facebook page and yep. www.bentnotbroken.ca slash book. Yes. Yep. Or they can just email me directly at Anna at AnnaDow.com. Okay. Perfect. Good. Well, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Oh, it's been That's my a, pleasure. I, and Yeah. I was just going to say, and they can, put, they can see, oh, actually, I've been on the website to have a look at the Bent Not Broken, so they can get a bit of a rundown on the book and actually order. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Good. yeah. So I'm actually giving giving out a free downloadable copy of my book. Oh, nice. okay. Um, nice. So, so for your listeners, uh, please feel free, and I'll be more than happy to. And also, as a special promotion for, for your listeners, um, I will give a 30-minute free consultation 
exaltation, finding okay, the way to be you again. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you very much. And they can, just email, they can just email you with that yes. and say that they heard you on the Thought Hackers. And, okay, fantastic. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay, so for those of you who have been listening, my name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston out of Australia. We are the Thought Hackers, and with us today has been Anna Dow. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Hackers. And regardless of where you are on your journey, whether you would like to be a guest and share your story, or if you are still living with pain each day, please get in touch and we will help you where we can. Simply send an email to hamish at thethoughthackers.com.